Before we jump in on this episode, we wanted to go ahead and give a shout out to our patrons over at Patreon, and they keep the lights on. Yeah, so t- we have Eric Sari, Andy Herbrandt, Lauren L., Rock the Green, Paul Campaneshi, and Hanson Screen Printing. And actually, we have a new one today, a yeah. Perba. A Perba. Who's been listening for a while now. Holy smokes. It's yeah. awesome. It was cool to meet you and your boyfriend. And uh, yeah, it was just awesome. Yeah, it's, it's really cool when we get to when we get a chance to meet, you know, any of you, the fans out in the wild. It's uh, uh, it's definitely an honor. And, and to have them uh, sort of recognize us or uh, to be wearing some of our swag. That's always oh, really cool. Yeah. So Eric, you up that music. Hey, welcome to the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. We are your hosts, Eric Sturgeon. And I'm Russell Sorry. This podcast is about all things Wisconsin, history, music, culture, and beer. Although we don't often use strong language, the content is not intended for young audiences, so listener discretion is advised. If you love the bluegrass music you hear in this intro, please check out Dang It's from Madison, Wisconsin by visiting their website, dang-its.com. Now on to the show. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Wisconsin Drunken History, your weekly dose of the Dairy State. Uh, We, of course, as always, are your hosts. I am Eric. And I'm Russ. And uh, today we are talking about the uh, legendary Beloit manufacturer, uh, the Beloit Corp., and uh, the ironworks and paper industry in the Beloit area. Yeah, pretty cool stuff, uh, actually. Absolutely, so. yeah. It's uh, kind of the the you know the the last little you know city before you get into the Fib country. And, and in yeah. fact, I think isn't there there is a South Beloit exactly. So there, there's it's half and half exactly. Like, so there is actually a, a Beloit in Illinois versus you know the Beloit. There's and Wibs kinda, and Fibs. There's Wibs and Fibs. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> so we also have great music today uh, from fellow kinsmen. Uh, we do have a brew review, which is very exciting. Uh, we have another edition of the infamous How Many Locals oh, Man. Oh, God, this one's really cool. Um, and we have a great interview today as well scheduled for you. I know we took uh, a little bit of a break on the uh, the interview last week. Yeah, just because um, the episode kind of got a little yeah. lengthy. Because I wanted to get everything in there, right? I mean, yeah. it's a history podcast. So we figured, you know, we, we hate it's the interview is a huge part of the show. But. Exactly. Yeah. It's, and, 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 you know, every once in a while, sometimes we have scheduling issues, uh, you know, kind of trying to coordinate schedules and things. Um, and, and then also... You know, sometimes the episodes just get it's lengthy in crazy. themselves. So. Like, I got some coming up in November that are going to be long. There might be two-parters, honestly. Exactly. There's going to be some this definite one, two-parters. This one probably could be a two-parter. Be yeah. Honest. There's a lot of info here. Yeah. So. Let's just not do it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> See you guys later. I'm just kidding. Yeah. So, um, and, and so uh, we want to obviously go over a couple of the other house cleaning things. Uh, uh, remember to like, rate, uh, subscribe, review, share, do all that sort of stuff. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, it really does help uh, kind of keep us on track with uh, yeah. with the growth and, and, and all that. And, and, and obviously, uh, you know, your suggestions and things have come in handy numerous times. Uh, you know, to, it's, to it's crazy. I actually just met someone from our podcast that has been talking to me a lot, actually from our YouTube channel. They oh, nice. reached out and, like, they've been giving me all this really cool history up north, so I'm hoping I can write some episodes about, like, that the gangster awesome. activity in Hurley, Wisconsin, which is pretty neat. So Yep. The gangster and stripper activity. Both. 
Titties and guns. Yes. Yep. <laughs> you could just call them both guns. Guns and guns. guns. and guns. All right. Uh, and then so uh, uh, we have our uh, T Public site. Uh, all of that can be accessed right through our own website, which is WisconsinDrunkenHistory.com. Uh, very easy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, so all of the information can be found there for T Public for the Patreon information, as well as episodes are generally posted there either same day or next day. Uh, and then, hey, we've had another uh, new exciting uh, feature. Facebook actually now has our uh, our podcast episodes posted yeah, day of as well. Cool. We can listen right on Facebook yeah. now, which is really neat, actually. So, so. yeah, if you follow us on, on Facebook, uh, you can go to our page and actually a, a, an automatic post gets made for us uh, right away Sunday morning. Uh, and the episode is dropped in and you can yeah. literally click on it and listen right there, which is absolutely exciting because, uh, you know, it's just another way for uh, for us to reach, you know, individuals that m- maybe haven't uh, checked out podcasts before. And if they already follow us, it's great. Yeah. You don't have to go to like an Apple podcast or download an app. You can yeah. just listen right on Facebook, actually right. right on your phone. I checked it out to make sure it works. It's pretty cool. It's actually. amazing. Like yeah. when you're scrolling, you can listen. It's pretty, yeah. it's pretty sweet. So, yeah. And uh, like I mentioned before. Uh, the T public stuff. Uh, that's for uh, and any of you that want to wear our merch. We've had yeah. a ton of uh, really big sales uh, the last couple months, and, and people have been taking pictures, uh, tagging so us cool. in their Instagram posts of, "Hey, you know, uh, you know, you've got a really good husband when he uh, he recognizes that you're having a bad week and he gets you a coffee mug." Uh, from your favorite podcast. Awesome. Seeing that was absolutely incredible. Uh, I absolutely enjoyed, uh, and, and I always enjoy uh, any time we're tagged in something. It's it's, it's 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 that time of the year, too, for like hot cider and some SoCo. Heat that up on the stovetop, put that in your mug. Oh, my God. That is, that's like the best warming. That's not fall. what I was thinking. What were you thinking in there? I not, I didn't know you were going that direction. Like you're thinking Licoritos. <laughs> you're thinking just straight Doritos. bourbon, straight bourbon in there. I just okay. like to pour bourbon on my Doritos and <laughs> bourbon mush reeds. them up into a nice right. pudding. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump right into uh, our main segment. Uh, again, is uh, Beloit Ironworks slash Beloit Corp. Uh, all of the different manufacturing things here. Russ, give us a little history. Yeah. So actually, this history, like I found out from um, a, a program I'm currently in called uh, G Beta. It's like startups and entrepreneurs, engineers, you know, can go in there and help out these companies. And uh, it's kind of crazy because I am an, a business owner as of yesterday, um, which is nuts, honestly. But um, you look like one. No, I look like a fucking dirtbag. <laughs> like the fact that they're like, you, you want to like come the in. the most homeless business owner yeah, I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, a beard and like a fucking Christmas Packer sweater today. I mean, like there's, it doesn't look that way. And I'll never be, uh, I, I'm not going to be an LL Bean type guy, to be honest. Like I'm not going to dress fancy. Like, you know You me. might be an LLC guy, but you're not going to be an LL Bean no, kind of guy. No, you know I'm a dirtbag. You've known me for so long now, so it's not changing anytime the soon. Song, the song by Weedus. Dirtbag. Yeah. It has never rang true for anyone so much so as you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I'm, I'm a smart dude, but I'm not going to fucking change and be, yeah. like, a nerd. So it's, it's Flannels just, and, and shit shit jeans. Yeah, pretty much shit jeans, flannels, <laughs> shoveling poop, packer sweaters. You know, that's just who I am. That'll never change. And that's kind of uh, uh, like Beloit, too. It's just kind of the, 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 the scenery that you, that when you drive into Beloit, 
it's just a hardworking town for the most part. There's yeah, a lot yeah. of manufacturing there, and that's exactly what I think. Uh, yeah, you know, ex- kind of embodies. And that's ex- I'm glad you brought that point up because Rock County is commonly more known as a blue collar county, right? Yeah. I mean, we've had GM, we've had um, the Beloit Corp. I mean, most of the people there are workers. There's not a lot of the white collar, and and I'm not saying that as a as an offensive thing or anything. Like it just no. it's more of a it's more of a blue collar town. Absolutely. It's not a white collar town. So. I'm going to begin this history, it, and it's really cool. So I found this presentation um, thanks to Carrie Swerth over at Iron Tech, and uh, I did a little bit more digging, and uh, thanks to Beloit Historical Society, um, I found out some really great information on this. So I wanted to report it. I think you guys will find it fascinating. So it begins in 1858, 22 years um, after the founding of Beloit, when Orson E. Merrill beca- came from Beloit from Vermont and started a foundry at 6. 37 Third Street. And within one year, he took in partner George Houston, and the firm became known as the Merrill and Houston Ironworks. And its principal products uh, were water wheels developed by George Houston, but the firm also supplied many of the other iron things that were common in the day, such as horseshoes, nails, iron, steel casting, saws, augers, spokes, and a variety of iron products, which in that day, I mean, these were like top, you, you needed to buy, you needed to go to Absolutely. founder to get these things. Especially augers and then the horseshoe nails and right. horseshoes. We didn't have... That's we, incredible. Yeah, we didn't have a harbor freight or, you know, like, well, right. <laughs> where you yeah. can get them cheap and like... And these were actually much higher quality. Yeah, I mean, they're... Ex- harbor freight. They're, yeah, <laughs> they weren't from China, so... Yeah. Um, and then Orson Merrill's brother... Soren T. Merrill owned Rock River Paper Mill Company, situated close to the Merrill, Houston, on Rock River. In 1860, Sereno Merrill asked his brother to make parts for his paper machines. Um, and this is, leads into our next part. And the parts were very great and the high quality. And um, the, like, they did not come from way east as before. But uh, by 1862, Merrill and Houston were producing complete paper machines, building four in that year and several years after several years thereafter along with water wheels and other iron products so they're making paper mills and these iron products so they're kind of branching out and you're going to see where this kind of takes off and becomes a bigger deal and uh, the ownership of the company did change um, over the next 20 years um, due to management difficulties um, you know paying off creditors you know the, the normal business op stuff that happens yeah and uh, but however, the fourteen paper machines were built that year, um, eight in eighteen eighty three and five in eighteen eighty four, which is a big deal at this time. Um, these are some of the early paper machines and some of the early designs that were huge. I mean, this is what take took off the paper industry, which we talked about in our toilet paper episode and many of the other episodes yeah. we've talked about. And finally, on January 7th of 1885, the assets of the company were sold at an auction and a successful bid of $20,000 for part of the plant and real real and personal property made by J.D. Rexford of Janesville on behalf of his creditors. When four employees of Maryland Houston associated themselves and ended up purchasing the business themselves and Beloit Ironworks was in business. And that's when they changed the name to Beloit Ironworks instead of the Merrill Houston, the uh, Georgia Merrill Houston. Yeah. And uh, the organizer and president of Beloit Ironworks was Fred Messer, who was a superintendent at Maryland Houston. So these are all people from Maryland Houston. And they all got together and made this company like uh, employee owned kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, absolutely. So, and though there were no orders for paper mills until 1887, um, the parts, the other parts, of course, were a big deal at this time. And about 100 men were working in the in the fact facility in um and the off, sorry. And the officers were able to buy all of the uh, property of the old Maryland Houston Works, which is actually located right on the Rock River there. And uh, today, it's actually the Iron Tech um, okay. location, the light Iron Tech property. You're gonna see like the YMC there, Iron Tech. Um, 
it's it's actually really nice. Um, Diane Diane Hendricks, who's like one of the state's richest people, um, actually owns that property, and she's the one investing. She bought like the ABC Stadium where the snaps play the snappers. Yeah, and uh, like the downtown has really come around, and it's turning around thanks to the Diane Hendricks Corporation, wow. which is pretty cool. And growth continued as part um, complete machines rebuilds and uh, paper mills in the Midwest, Canada, and as far away as Texas. And in 1890, uh, 1891, the company made the first complete Yankee machine ever built in the U.S. In uh, 1893, it was, inv- it was invited to build and install a paper machine at the Chicago World's Fair, the Columbian Expedition, which we've talked about multiple times. Yeah. Perhaps Blue Ribbon. I mean, a lot of these big manufacturers from Wisconsin were there. I mean, a lot of, yeah, a lot of it really got started with uh, the the Chicago World's Fair. Yeah, exactly. And demands for paper obviously was growing at this period. Um, you know, paper like it's not like today where like right now we're reading off our things. It's just easy yeah, and readily is, accessible, you Yeah, know? this is shit paper. I mean, they yeah. used to make good paper back in the day. Some parchment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so and the first machines um in Beloit had been as small as 30 inches wide, but in 1890, a 100 inches wide one were uh, being designed. So the company had to undertake an expansion program, and more land was acquired on the west side of the Rock River. And in 1896, a new foundry was built, as well as new machine shops and offices. The modern equipment was also installed. And uh, the wooden and wooden buildings were, re- were they replaced were now made by brick and glass. So they're like they're they're making this thing better than what it was, right? I mean, a lot of these buildings back then, like we talked about, the Peshtigal fire were made of wood, so they just burn right down, right? So like now they're yeah. going to brick and making them more industrious and industrial. Well, and I think that started to become a huge thing with the bigger the buildings were. Uh, there started to become building standards. Exactly. Uh, you know, making things that were a little bit more fire retardant and 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 could withstand high winds and you know things that would normally wreck a building uh, in the early 1800s. They started to kind of consider that uh, towards the late 1800s and into the early 1900s. Yeah, which is insane. And then the Beloit cylinder machine um, could produce about 75 feet of paper per minute, which is pretty incredible at that time and the the other machines were making about four to five hundred feet per minute and in 1910 a cylinder machine was designed for 300 feet per minute and another machine for 600 feet per minute which is insane i mean 600 feet of paper at this time was a big deal yeah and i mean i guess you know i don't i don't it's it's crazy because we don't think about it, right? Like I was paper just is so simple and like I can't really necessarily fathom the the uh, you know I guess the importance of this because you know four or five six hundred feet of paper uh, per minute doesn't necessarily yeah. compute in my brain, but right, it, think about producing anything of six hundred feet in one minute, you know, and, and paper doesn't seem to be like the you know, the, yeah the the uh, the most uh, incredible thing, but yeah. So one incredible feat of this company was being able to ship overseas full paper wow. machines. And uh, in 1897, a machine was shipped to Japan, and two went to China in 1900, which is a pretty incredible feat considering like the logistics aren't what they are today, right? So it's just big boats, and it takes yeah, I bet you months. And, and, you know, they're known uh, internationally and internationally because of the Columbian Exposition Fair, the World's Fair. Um, just everyone came from around all the newest ideas, the latest right. technologies and everything. So just incredible. And uh, as as the first years of the 20th century passed, demand for paper was growing and uh, machinery build, build, builders had lean years and well as good years. And, um, you know, they, they continued to improve their designs. 
and uh, the Beloit machines continued to break records in speeds as well as production at this time. One bright young man was uh, hired was uh, Albert E. Nice, just 30 years old at the time. Um, and he was the vice president and sales manager of a competitive machine builder and also the husband of Laura, Mr. Aldrich's only child. Albert Nice, who already had 13 years experience in the industry, quickly became the strong factor in the management of the company. And with his help, Beloit Ironworks increased sales rapidly. In 1916, when he came, sales were at their record time. In the next 15 years, grew eightfold. So eight times the manufacturing, eight times the machines were being produced when he was in office, which was pretty incredible. I think something that's even more incredible uh, is this this person is 30 years old. Yeah. And right. he was the vice president and sales manager of a competitor. Uh, to the the Beloit uh, company and then took over for you know the this yeah. you know company and I mean all at 30 years old right I mean before he even has his 31st birthday he's uh, accomplished all of this yeah and you know due to all these sales the company continued to make improvements and also expand the campus and uh, continue to increase um, and employment had reached a peak of 550 people in 1930, which is one of the largest employers in the area at the time. I mean, obviously oh. with Beloit, you got ABC bearing now. Um, the only thing, other thing at the time would be Fairbanks Banks Morse, which was a massive engine company. We, yeah, we have engine, to do an yeah. episode on them alone, right? Yeah. And uh, when Aldrich died in 1931 and was succeeded by President Albert Neese, um, they faced some of the worst years of the Great Depression, and uh, orders for complete machines were pretty much non-existent, and parts and repair orders were pretty much not happening at this time. Obviously, the Great Depression, big deal, right? I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, not a, a whole whole lot of nothing was happening at that point in time. Yeah, so the workforce was then dropped down to about 180 people, um, but a slight upturn occurred in 1933, and gradual recovery took place the following years until 1937, which employment then reached a temporary 640. So it did drop from 550 to 180 to 640, but the Great Depression, obviously, big deal, right? <laughs> well, and, and manufacturing for a lot of this stuff goes uh, up during, like, wartime. You yeah, know? so that's actually what we're getting into next. So right. In 1941, uh, the Beloit Ironworks turned part of its production to war materials, uh, building machine tools needed for war production. And by 1942, nearly 100% of its capacity was being used for crank pin turning lathes, boring mills, and powder mills. Um, and during the next three years, the company built nearly 178-ton Corvette engines for the U.S. Maritime Commission, which is pretty cool. They built the Corvette engines right there, which is awesome. And the Army-Navy E for Excellence Award in 1940, November of 1943 um, was actually issued to them for their, for their continued... Um, you know, just helping out. And obviously yeah. Fairbanks was involved as well. Just so. being an incredible company, you know, for the United States. Uh, and they get that excellence award. Yeah. And to handle all the pent-up demand um, after this period, um, the machines in the years following the war, capacity was added and land was more acquired. And the tail race, which had separated the island, was filled in. New buildings and modern machine tools put, were put into operation. And Beloit's complete Yankee machine ever built in... Oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> I fucked up. No, it's okay. And the paper machines were soon again uh, breaking record speed production. And uh, in 1947, a tissue machine was furnished um, that ran 2,800 feet per minute. So, I mean, the thing's increasing like fivefold, right? I mean, it's like five times as fast as it was producing, which is yeah. pretty impressive. 
1947, a tissue machine was furnished, which ran 2,800 feet as well. And so this was like when we talked about the teepee and the toilet paper episode, like they're producing some tissues now. So we can get some ass wipe coming out of here as well, which is pretty sick. Hell yeah. And by 1950, the first tissue machine was designed and uh, had a speed of 3,000 3, feet per minute. So it went from 2,800 in 1947 to 3,000 in 1950, producing tissues. I could do a lot of damage with 3,000 feet in That's a minute. That's one Taco Bell trip for me, but... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, the workforce was growing rapidly as well. And um, there were about 1,000 employees in 1946, 1,300 in 1947, 1,450 in 1948. And um, employment... So it's just growing. I yeah, mean. and uh, 1,690, 1952. And it just continues to grow and grow and grow. Wow. And uh, so Harry Moore, um, Harry Moore, who also became um, part of the company, uh, was a like a charismatic person and uh, shared his keen interest in expanding sales. And the company spread its wings with the opening of the 1949 sales office in Paris to promote the Beloit machines throughout the world and have another um, place where they can like get this out there, right? Yeah. And a West Coast sales office was also op- opened in Portland, Oregon, followed by one in Mobile, Alabama. Thus, you know, kind of spreading the entire country. You got like the West Coast, East Coast, South, you know. And um, so they in Mobile, they purchased the foundry and machine shop facilities in downtown Downington Manufacturing Company in Pennsylvania in 1955 to allow production in another location as well. And next was a, f- a place in Italy where they could also get more distribution in the European markets. And in 1958, Beloit machines were soon being manufactured in England, Japan, Spain, and, and all all owned by the Beloit Corporation. So they're 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 having um, pretty much worldwide employment at this point, which impressive at the time, right? And important in the development of the company were the establishment of the research facility in Beloit in 1955 and the 1961 completion in Rockton, Illinois as well, a few miles from the Beloit plant. Like we talked about, there's a South Beloit and Beloit. So there's like WIB and FIB. You got the mixture of the two. You got Illinois and Wisconsin. Yeah. And Albert H. Neese participated in the dedication of a new research facility, but died unexpectedly in August of 1961 as chairman. And the name Ironworks no longer seemed to describe the company's activities and further diversification was planned. So the company officially became known as a Beloit Corporation on January 1st of 1962. And a search for new products began and the company tried its hand in a variety of new endeavors, some related, some not, um, in the paper industry along with other things. And uh, we're also um, signing with firms in Poland and India for building uh, the Beloit paper machinery. Uh, The first turnkey product project was for an integrated pulp and paper mill um, in India in the mid-60s. The Wheel Roller Company of Kalamazoo, Michigan was also acquired in 1966. So this company just continues to expand. I mean, it's huge. And it's just really cool, uh, the Beloit history. And and during Moore's leadership, Beloit became the major paper machinery builder in the United States and even in the world. And uh, as the industry became more mature, sales continued to grow almost every year. Beloit's technical lead was strong, its patents numerous, and its innovations valued. Moore became chairman at the end of 1974, the position he held until his retirement in 1978. And he was succeeded by Nice, Nice Jr., as president and later chairman. Wow. Yeah, so there, the, the, it's kind of back and forth between the Nice, Moore. Right, because you, you had that, that incredible uh, span of time with uh, Nice, and then... Uh, you know, you've got a great, you know, in between period there with uh, with more and then back to Nice Jr. So it kind of stays within that 
that group for quite a while. Yeah, and so the next thing you're going to probably recognize, the company growth continued and they purchased the Lenox Machine Corporation. So Lenox makes a lot of copiers you're going to see in like your offices today and stuff, which mm-hmm. is pretty impressive. And the, and the shareholdings of the Beloit overseas plants as well. A new partnership was formed in a manufacturing plant built in Brazil in 1980 to continue to get into the Latin America market now. Um, so the facility expansion and improvement occurred in all divisions. The company made large investments to maintain and increase its technical lead. New research facilities in Pittsburgh, Massachusetts, Lenox, Massachusetts, Bolton, England. You know, there's just a ton going on here. And um, they, they wanted to be have the capacity to build the largest machines and have them readily available to their customers. And from its beginnings with 15 people to 1980s with 7,700 700 employees. Beloit Corporation made steady, sometimes spectacular progress through energies and efforts of many dedicated, innovative, skillful people, engineers, salesmen, foundrymen, managers, machinists, researchers, clerks, and many other things. And this went all the way up until the year 2000 when uh, it did officially close. And um, it, 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 the property kind of went vacant, right? I mean, there was nobody in there. They, they kind of realized like, they, they were bought out and things moved and, you know, it just became like a dump, yeah. basically. And uh, thanks to, like, Diane Hendricks and her husband, they ended up purchasing this property and re-innovating it into the community now. So, like, these old buildings are still there. And you can go and visit them, like, the YMCA is there. Um, and it's you can see all the old beams and stuff. It's just a really cool campus. And um, I'm there yeah. often. I have to go there quite a bit now with the new project I'm working on. Um, but just a fantastic history, and I'm yeah. so glad like the Beloit Historical Society was willing to give me this information. It's just incredible to me. And I think a lot of uh, Im- important things uh, had happened kind of along the way that that helped really kind of boost, uh, you know, the the production and the importance of uh, you know the the paper industry in in the United States. And, yeah. Uh, one of the really neat things is you know obviously Wisconsin is sort of situated uh, sort of mid mid United States. And, uh, so with, uh, with having to, uh, ship and deliver these things, it's a lot easier to start from the middle of the state, uh, to be able to kind of reach the West or the East in about the same time frame. uh, you know, getting machines all the way to the, the far East coast to the far West coast is going to be about the same time. And then to continue to expand into other countries, uh, really just means that, uh, you know, they're going to literally, have a grasp on the entire industry yeah like nobody will be able to to outdo them because they literally are everywhere and uh you know by by the you know mid mid to late 90s and early 2000s like you said when the closure you know happens that's really not uh, uh you know a fault of their own right the 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 cost of production and manufacturing in the united states didn't make sense and and more companies were money hungry than anything and so shipping most of manufacturing uh somewhere overseas whether that be you know down south in mexico or uh, like you were saying kind of over in the latin you know america area or even to europe it's like it, it just didn't make sense to continue to manufacture things here and and so we saw a mass exodus of a lot of these manufacturing things here in, in, in Wisconsin alone. Yeah, and I mean, like, technology has changed, too. I mean, like, paper making is a lot more simplified now and a little yeah. bit easier. 
Um, there's just a lot of factors that contribute to the Beloit Corporation uh, basically closing its doors. But then, like, Rock County is, like, taking hits, you know, like with um, GM leaving and uh, the Beloit Corp and uh, a recent company I left moved to Mexico. I mean, like, there's just a lot of Which hits. I was going to talk to you about, man. Yeah, I just yeah. saw the there was a, uh, a commercial. Political ads are obviously yeah, starting yeah. to run now, and um, uh, Russ and I have... Uh, we've avoided talking politically on this on this podcast yeah, yeah. for 78 episodes now and, and we're not about to begin but uh last night i happened to be watching um the news and a, a, a political ad ran um and they mentioned uh the, the company you used to work for yes yeah uh, which i i don't care if we if we mention it do you no that's okay fine. so huffcore yeah huffcore um, where i was an engineer at for well seven years something yeah something like, like that, that. Yeah, and yeah. uh yeah just i happened to to catch that they that they you know mentioned your comp that company and and uh um i just thought you know holy holy shit you know the 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 private conversations that you and i have uh off mic and and you know behind closed doors uh just happened to now be kind of pushed into the mainstream with this you know new wisconsin political ad where you know your frustrations you know that you have you know with that uh, company and and you know just kind of with that kind of thing in in general it's it's it's, the, it's out in the open now yeah i mean it was it was the reason i left um i just i i just didn't agree with uh the decision making and uh you know it's just another hit to rock county that rock county just doesn't need right yeah. i mean i i love that area um you know, it was kind of like as a kid going to Rock County area, like to the mall or whatever, you know, we'd make yeah. our, make our exodus over in that area. I mean, yeah, it has its problems, but like, it's just another blow. Right. And, uh, I figured I needed to leave. Um, I have thankfully found a really great job now where I'm designing farm equipment, which is pretty Wisconsin to be honest yeah, with and, you. And, and, and I love it. I mean, I, I wouldn't change it for the world, but, uh, it, it's just a really sad, thing for me and i think things are are again looking up you know as you mentioned we have a few key players uh who are willing to invest uh money and and stuff into uh the the counties that uh mean the most to us here in wisconsin and uh, as long as those individuals continue to do what they do i think we'll continue to see uh, a good rise in uh not only employment and, and manufacturing numbers and things but um you know potentially even just uh you know, great, great people and great companies making their way back to the Wisconsin area. I, I think one of my leading driving causes of leaving literally was because I had so many friends who were in the union. Right. And I wasn't in the union. I'm an engineer. I work in the office of white collar job, you know, but those people like to me were my friends. And it was like a stab in the back. You know, you know, you go drink a beer with somebody, but then you're still staying there while their jobs have been cut. It just was mm. just not for me anymore. So which was the reason for me leaving. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's going to conclude our main segment, yeah. and uh, we will we, we will move swiftly. <laughs> yeah, yeah into let's get out of here. Our... I'm starting to fucking tear up. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, on to our music segment, guys. All right, and uh, on to our music segment. Like Russ said, uh, we have a, a really cool uh, artist right here from uh, the In Milwaukee, Milwaukee area, which is awesome. Yeah, I mean. little uh, little surf ish indie, uh, little smoked paprika, as he says as well. Yeah, yeah, it's really good music. Um, yeah, Eric kind of just showed me these guys recently, and uh, I, I'm falling in love with the music. I mean, uh, 
I've already jammed a couple tracks here, and the one we have for you today is just phenomenal. Yeah, so, uh, um, you know, fellow kinsman, like we mentioned, is uh, kind of a Milwaukee area artist. Uh, the, the song that we have today is called Wasted. Uh, but, you know, we did want to point out, too, that, uh, I mean, definitely go uh, go check these guys out live. Uh, make sure to check out their websites. Uh, simply Google their their band name and yeah, you'll yeah. find you'll find information. And if they have a website or if they have uh, like their own, um, what do they call it? Bandcamp. Uh, those are great websites uh, to, to yeah, kind of ex- maintain any any sort of uh, idea of where they're at and where they're playing or if they are. Um, I, they're just they're such an incredible band and and we feature so many incredible bands that you know now we're in at episode 78 i think and uh yeah um that's probably close that's to 78, 78 bands individual artists it's pretty you know? nuts right i don't think we've duplicated there's actually more because we had specials too in between oh, so true. there's there's a lot of music we've had yeah man. we're well over 80 at this point yeah with those specials like you said so uh, but fellow kinsman uh, another one of those just really really cool uh, great sound, super individual. Like I don't think you're gonna find somebody that sounds quite like this. You can, you can, you can certainly hear some uh, of their influences, but they're certainly not just taking it, ripping it, and and you know trying to duplicate some of their you know favorite yeah. artists. They're really just taking influence and uh, making it their own. So uh, without any further ado, here uh, we've got fellow kinsmen wasted. Yeah. 
That was wasted uh, by fellow kinsmen. Uh, again, definitely go to their website and Bandcamp and and whatever to to try to find out a little bit more information about them and and listen to more of their tunes and uh, support them in any way that you possibly can. Because yeah, and hopefully we can go see them soon with like all the bands playing out again. I think the yeah. Lemonheads, which is awesome, are coming to X Ray Arcade. Ooh, so I got to see that, but I'd love Hell to see yeah. these guys as well downtown Milwaukee anytime. And I and I love X Ray Arcade. If you haven't been to X Ray Arcade in Cudahy, um, I mean, it's it's a small venue, uh, but they do have a few uh, uh, really cool older arcade games, yeah, kind of cool around the whole backside. Uh, really nice bar. Uh, it, it's you know, funny, great like the downtown. Like I've been to what? Uh, f- there's like Frank's Power Plant. There's Cactus yeah. Club. There's X Ray Arcade, mm-hmm. Hi-Fi. Like yeah. just so many cool spots to see. And hopefully we get to see them soon. You know, especially like we have we have a lot of bands we got to see here. Right? Oh, we've yeah. had a lot on the show. We got to go and see. And, Absolutely. Uh, I yeah, can't I've, wait. I've only seen you know probably a handful of the ones that we've actually that we've featured, uh, but most of them you know we just find. Uh, naturally by either listening to like 88.9 yeah um, you know which another thing go sponsor uh, or go support rather 88.9 uh, Radio Milwaukee it's really great it's completely independent uh, they really do uh, completely rely on, uh, on on the listener fund uh, you know if you will and, and uh, I absolutely love everything that they do in giving back to the community and also playing uh, Wisconsin uh, music, which yeah. is awesome. It's um, cool that they play a lot more local. Because if you go to like a lot of other ones, they have like a small segment called local, you right. know, whatever. They, and I think, uh, at least play they one play a lot of lo- Yeah, they play a lot of local. Yeah. I mean, every time I come to Milwaukee, I hear a new band that where I'm like, oh, God, I got to reach out to these guys. It's yeah. just incredible music. And the other so. thing is, too, it, it might be called Radio Milwaukee, and it's local to, to Milwaukee. Uh, it's actually located really close to uh, third, no, nah, not third place. Broken Bat. Broken Bat, yeah, actually, um, Kitty Corner. Kitty Corner. It's like really close. And uh, there, eighty-eight nine is actually opening a, a cafe of its own too, a little restaurant thing. Oh, cool. Um, but the you can get their uh, their music right on in their app too, so you can actually go to eighty-eight nine RadioMilwaukee.com or whatever. Uh, and you can actually listen wherever you are. So you could be in a completely different state. If you want to hear great Wisconsin music, which I know you do because we have the most premier musicianship around, uh, you can listen anywhere. It's awesome. Yeah. I, I love think, it. You know, the, actually, the how I heard of 88.9, I went and saw Margo and the so-and-sos at, the oh, Mad, sure. at Mad Planet, and yeah. I went to Field Cafe after, and they were playing 88.9 in Field Cafe. I'm like, what station is this? They're like, oh, it's the local Milwaukee station. Like, holy crap! They were like, listen here, you goofball. Do you know what you're talking <laughs> Do you about? Do you know who this is? <laughs> this is eighty eight nine. Because that's what happens at Fuel Cafe. They just judge you. Do they? I don't know. Oh, okay, Haven't you just made it up. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I just I just went there because it's right by Mad Plan. I wanted to get some coffee after because I was like had a few brewskis and I need to pep up. So super funny. This is going to be relevant here to this whole thing. Uh, last night I went to Mobcraft. Uh, to meet a couple of friends uh, before the Bucks game, and we were also picking up our Advent calendar. Which uh, uh, those of you who are uh, Patreon subscribers, I urge you to um, tune in. We are going to be doing a special beer review each day uh, in December for those beers. There's 24, so 24 days of reviews. We're going to video record. The whole process of Russ and I drinking nice. these things and uh, giving our take on on that. that and so again, this is the Mobcraft 24 Days of Beers Advent Calendar. Uh, 
only to our Patreon subscribers, yeah, though, yeah. will you be able to see that. So if On you want... the first day of Christmas, <laughs> Mobcraft gave to me a brewski in my belly. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good, huh? You so, didn't even... We didn't plan that at all. We didn't plan that at all. I just drunk enough to say... Yeah. To sing, <laughs> so... <laughs> it was dumb. So, Fuck yeah. Uh, Fuck. As as I'm leaving with this, you know, gigantic 24 beer case thing, it was uh, uh I actually ran into one of my old roommates from back oh, in cool. m- my Milwaukee days, and that was uh, neat to see Alex and his brother Seth. And um, but uh, while I was at Mobcraft yesterday, I tried a fantastic beer, which we are going to uh, have again today. Here we go uh, and review it. So this is the One Love Bunt Cake. It is a Belgian quadruple, and Russ, this is a 10% ABV <laughs> beer with about a 24 IBU. So oh, not super u- bitter, exactly. but it's bitterness high units. in the ABV units here. So, yeah. And it's a quadruple. Holy yeah, and, smokes. And I think that the typical pour in the uh, tasting room was 10 ounce. Uh, you know, the little cute little, you know, bubbly glass. That was nice. Uh, but uh, the, the 64 ounce growler to go, you can get that. You can also get a 16 ounce to go. Russ and I have the 16 ounce to go, so we're each drinking about an eight ounce pour here. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Russ, just first uh, first initial uh, uh, tasting response here. Yeah, so it definitely has that Belgian uh, flavor. Um, the quadruple. I'm wondering if they're adding uh, some more beet sugar or adding their more sugars to this. I'm guessing a beet sugar they're probably using in this to kind of keep with the Belgian tradition. Yeah. I, I can't tell for 100, percent but probably beef sugar. Beef sugar. Oh yeah. <laughs> beef steak. Straight beef. Ranch. Beef bucket. Beef broth bowl. <laughs> but no, I'm definitely... Uh, Mystery get, science. Theme. Heck yeah. So I'm definitely getting um, the the raisins a little bit. Yeah. And I'm actually getting... That was my first That was my first response too. I'm getting a little bit of the raisin flavor. And I don't... I'm guessing they use raisins, correct? Did they? Yeah. So this is actually uh, brewed... It's, it's re-fermented with raisins, cherries, and a hint of vanilla. Okay, because so, you're getting a little bit of that, like, winey-ish taste to it. Like, a little bit, like, from the raisins, I'm guessing. And it's and, aged in a rum barrel, too. Okay, so that's that might be my next thing. I was getting a little barrel flavor on yep. the tongue here. Because it's a little wood with a little rum. Yeah, you get yeah. get the boozy, the that, top like, brown sugar, molasses yes. taste a little bit coming through. Yep. Um, obviously, like this one, if, if I were to have a full pint, I'd be... F- up, dude, like I, I'm not driving home. Like, there's no trick or treating. Today's Halloween, by yeah. the way. We're recording on Halloween. You'd have to walk your car home. Oh, dude, I'm in a ditch. Like, there's yeah. there's no there's no bags of candy coming home with the kids. I'm like in a ditch. Oh, and I'm gonna have to call God. mom to come get me. So. I, you know what I love most about this beer is it's not like others that you have. Uh, it, it, the the fact that it's barrel aged, great. Uh, barrel aged has been you know done a, a thousand times. Seven ways, you know, from Sunday. But the 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 fact that it has that refermented uh, kind of section after it comes out of that that barrel, uh, it, it's it's got that raisiny fruitiness, but not really heavy with the fruit. It's really more with that savory raisin, vanilla, honey. Uh, Along with the booziness of that rum, which so, is amazing. So I was going to ask you when, you when you drank it, there was a, there a little bit of carbonation because obviously we're not getting a ton, but very, very little. Bit. Okay, because that's what I figured. It's in a barrel. It's just kind of mellow. Yeah, because they typically I think what Mobcraft does, and and we could probably talk to Henry about this a little bit more, but um, it, uh, which they've got some incredible news uh, 
you know that's that's recently come out too that uh, they're going to be expanding they already have a building uh, purchased in waterford right down the road from me here awesome uh so they're going to be putting in a tap room and a, and a restaurant over there which i'm sure you know i'll visit you know more so than i do uh getting downtown but uh just they they typically will take anything that's barrel aged and they'll move it back to uh the the fermentation and and uh carbonation kind of side as well just to give it a little something extra yeah yeah and no this is a great beer if you get a chance definitely check this one out it's uh the one love bunt cake amazing belgian triple also beer news um so did you hear central waters is coming to milwaukee it's already here yeah so captain paps we're who we're gonna have on one of our original episodes which since went under they're going Mm -hmm. in the old captain paps right downtown where we actually filmed our promo video yeah so which is really uh, awesome they as of this episode uh when this airs they've had their uh, their opening, their grand opening was just a couple weeks ago, and uh, so they've been open for maybe about a month at this point uh, when this episode releases, and uh, f- stupid phenomenal uh, uh, place. They've completely revitalized uh, the, the old Paps building that they're in. Awesome. And uh, it just fits, man. You can see it right off the highway, too, which is stupid. Oh my God, so cool! And just though they're just great people. Like, remember we had an yeah. Ello on I'm the going show there today. You are oh great after yeah. the Bucks game, uh, before the Bucks game. Oh cool. Yeah, I'm gonna go get hammered. Yeah, I know. Like I was gonna say, you're down there all the time <laughs> for the Bucks uh, season ticket holder over here. So yeah, I so I I have a- attended all three home games up until this point, and then uh, tonight is the 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 quick turnaround from the Spurs awesome. over to the Jazz. So cool. This will be the, the game home game number four. Uh, when you guys are listening to this, uh, I'm sure we've had maybe one or two other games too. Um, this releases next week. Okay, yeah. So if you don't know uh, our our release and, and recording schedule, uh, we talk about it every once in a while. But a lot of times we like to try to bank episodes if we can, and we don't generally do any more than maybe four. So anytime Russ and I get uh, together, you know, we're usually recording maybe two to four episodes, but uh, um, it's absolutely a phenomenal uh, uh, news to hear about another great uh, Wisconsin brewery from up north in in Amherst Amherst, to come, you know, down and and, and grace us with their presence in uh, Milwaukee, which is awesome. Uh, And and I'm sure they were going to have a phenomenal response to to them being here because it is one of uh one of the premier uh craft brewery uh and, and kind of microbrewery uh in wisconsin we have a ton of them obviously but but yeah check um, out mobcraft and central waters make a day out of your milwaukee trip if you got the stomach and can handle your beer there's yeah. a lot of breweries really in that brewery district now, and, and while called. you're at mobcraft i mean you can kick on foot probably uh three or four oh yeah and- um the distilleries right there. The distilleries there, there like too. Distiller. And then there's also the, there's another Broken one. Broken Bass, not that far. It's Broken Bass, not away. terrible. Too. Yeah. It's, um, an, just in third space is only a few blocks from yeah, that too. Yeah. So but. amazing. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, we, we love tasting beers and we love to uh, tell you how, how we like them. <laughs> yeah. And support local. <laughs> which, so <laughs> which we have never hated one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now on to the loco segment. Oh God. Here we go. Grab a seat. Oh, shit. You know what that is, folks. Yeah. Ho, ho, ho. Here we go. And, hey, Sons of Leroy coming in clutch again with oh, yeah. the intro for that. Uh, thank you, uh, Adam and Scott. That was uh, amazing. I am kind of in that band now, too. We've been 
rehearsing, and uh, I am the drummer for that outfit. But uh, we have a truly special uh, uh, Locos event. All right, let's um, hear the event. I'm ready. Some of you may have actually heard about this and seen this because it is kind of a uh, a newer topic, uh, and, and, and I think it went viral uh, as far as Wisconsin things go. But uh, this is from the Barron County Sheriff's Department, uh, the Post, and uh, they wrote on their Facebook page, uh, again, this is the Barron County Sheriff's Department Facebook page, they wrote, where do we begin with this one? Look, okay, yeah, it got below freezing in the last couple nights, and okay, yeah, the frost has made an appearance. And sure, we love ice fishing as much as everyone else, but, and this is important, the ice is not ready yet. Please keep the shacks at home for the time being. Let's enjoy fall while it's still here. Uh, let's, you know, sweater weather, all that kind of jazz. Uh, we will have plenty of time to freeze our butts off in the dead of winter, you know, jigging and putting our tip-ups in and all that other shit. But uh, uh, keep, keep it at home for the time being. You know, we'll let you know when the ice is ready. And then they also wrote, and yes, alcohol was a factor in this crash. Oof. Uh, for those wondering, in fact, it was the third OWI incident for the night. Uh, come on now. And uh, there is a picture that uh, that goes along with this damn thing. Russ, I'm going to go ahead and... I did see this already. Uh, I saw this one. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I know... So, oh, man. This... And look, where can we start? I mean, you got... Well, what you have is a Chevy pickup truck that is completely, uh, almost completely underwater uh, with a... Ice shanty attached to the back. Uh, At like a 30-degree angle in the water. In the water, exactly. He has jackknifed this trailer, and they are both completely, almost completely submerged. Uh, again, you know, like the post says, uh, it, yes, okay, it's cold. We get it. It is not that cold, and it has not been that cold for that long. Yeah. Um, science will tell you it takes time. Uh to to get the ice thick and and to even get it frozen over. None of the lakes or any bodies of water have frozen over even a little bit at this no. point. No, I, I mean, mean there may have been a thin layer of ice or around something. the edge. Yeah, I mean where it's you know six inches deep. How far do you think he went in before he realized like oh shit, bud, I'm in some trouble here. He's in there quite a bit. Let me drink the rest of this beer here. Um, yeah, so he, he he's definitely in. I don't I don't think he's in too far. Because I, again, I don't think that the he probably drifted. You think so? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The 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 you know the momentum of the truck as he was driving probably once he hit the water just carried him a little further. But I think it was almost an instantaneous thing where he was Holy like, smokes. "Oh shit, that's I'm in right. trouble." It's only October. <laughs> I mean, like, so we got we got he's like a little bit of older man, three OWIs, uh, truck ice shanty in the water here, um, yeah. alcohol involved. So yep. obviously bad decisions making a plenty. Yeah. Um, and now, and this happened, uh, it was late, uh, but it wasn't like uh, midnight or anything. It, you know, this would have been uh, an accident that happened probably just after sundown. Uh, and by the time, you know, authorities and everybody gets out there, it's probably maybe close to nine. Uh, this is just ridiculous. I, I don't necessarily know where I stand on this one. Uh, I, I think... I'm going to pull a number out, um, yeah, and yeah. Russ, we may not be anywhere near each other on this one, but uh, I think I've got some sort of a figure here. Yeah, I um, think I think I do, too. Okay. So we'll go on three. On three, let's give our numbers, okay? Three, you, 
two, one, 14. Oh, wow. Yeah. A lot closer um, than I thought. I mean, yeah. So we'll go with a 13 local here. The unlucky 13. Oh, it's Halloween no, today. The, the unlucky local. Trey Saint. Uh... Trey Saint. Trey <laughs> Holy smokes. Your Spanish is crap, dude. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, uh, thank you, Elkhorn uh, High School, for the tremendous Spanish. But I just can imagine this guy sitting in the bar like, oh, Dale, uh, yeah, let's get out there. Uh, I heard the fish is biting in uh, Barron County. Um, I'm going to load up the truck and uh, head on out to the ice. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. <laughs> You're fucked up. Yeah. yeah. I'm not coming with you. Fucking Bill and Dale fucked up on this Bill, one. Bill and Dale. Yeah. Fucked. Like, now, again, we don't really know if that's their names. If it happens to be their names, so, I'm sorry. But we, we were just talking about the, the farming naming convention when you have kids on a farm. It's like oh. Phil, Bill, Dale, Justin. Like, that's like the and fucking then, names. Like, every farmer. And Phil, then the Bill, one, Dale, Justin. The one unlucky one that gets named Farmall. Farmall. <laughs> <laughs> But, it, dude, if you ever go to a farm, like, there's a Phil, Bill, Dale, or Justin yeah. on every farm. And John and deer. Uh, John's, yeah, John's. There's a lot yep. of John's. A lot of deer. A lot of deer. Hey, deer. Get over here, deer. <laughs> oh, that might man. just be the wife. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we, we settled on a 13 loke. Uh, very unlucky loke. We are recording this on October 31st. Um, Halloween loke. Halloween loke, man. All right, today we're here with Carrie Swerth from Iron Tech. Carrie, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Not too bad. Doing so we well. we wanted to find out. So I've been spending a lot of time at Iron Tech, and uh, I want to get the information out there so other people who are interested can come and uh, use this valuable space. Uh, do you want to give us the spiel? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Iron Tech is a co-working tech hub and entrepreneurial space in downtown Beloit, Wisconsin. Um, it's a super industrial space. It's a um, just a space that you would not expect to see in small town Beloit. Um, but it's an area that we have co-working, um, small offices, uh, private offices to rent uh, for businesses of all sizes. We want to try and allow startups to be built in downtown Beloit and build our um, economy in Beloit to um, just revitalize it. Um, as you heard about the history of Beloit and um, just how we're trying to want to build back Beloit and the economy. Uh, it was just a really great fit for um, what we're trying to do in the community. So, um, like I said, we have offices that we can rent out and then also our floating desks. So, Literally any business, um, small to large, can come in and use our space. And we have business resources, um, accelerator studio. I'm so Russ, that's what you're going through. Yep. Um, yeah, lots of really great opportunities. It is. And I wanted to get the word out there for listeners who are like in that entrepreneurial spirit to come yeah. and stop and talk to you and uh, visit the website. Come in and check out the awesome space. It's 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 literally like, especially with COVID going on, right? You know, mm -hmm. you, you need that outlet or another place to work where you're not at home to get out and uh yeah. that's what i love about especially it. with like seasonal depression stuff kind of you know maybe gonna start setting in here oh but, yeah uh, all too all too uh, real for us wisconsinites mm -hmm. here but um it, i think it's great to have some sort of a, a collaborative sort of community space uh, available and and to revitalize uh the beloit area uh which is has been uh, much needed uh, for oh, yeah. the last couple of years. And I know that we had a couple of friends that were working on the uh, the board, the city board, in uh, mm -hmm. working on that. And it's been amazing. I've loved it. I've loved watching sort of that, uh, that, that, that new revitalization. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, and that's what we needed, you know, like it was after the paper mill went down 
you know, it was just gloomy and there wasn't a lot of hope. And I know when I talk about the history with some other people, um, we just say how much of an eyesore that was and just a reminder of how negative that time was that all these people lost their jobs. And so now having, you know, so many more companies and it's being redone into this beautiful space that it's not that eyesore anymore. Um, even downtown, if you're walking downtown, um, the new shops, the new restaurants that are down there, we have the brand new, beautiful ABC supply stadium, you know, so it's not just this Whole anymore, yeah. you know. Right. I hate to, I hate to refer yeah. it to that way because yeah. it's not. But like, it's it's a place to be. It's a destination now. It's not just a pass through. And that's what I think is important to to be to be real about. You know the mm-hmm. the, the reality of uh, of what it kind of became because yeah. uh, Russ and I recently worked with uh, the Menominee Valley Partners Group, uh, which uh, the Menominee Valley uh, area in Milwaukee did the sure. same thing. Uh, where it just became this brown space is what they called it, uh, mm-hmm. where, you know, these uh, leftover areas of manufacturing had all gone and uh, left nothing. And it was kind of mm-hmm. this uh, area that you drive past on the highway and you just kind of think, oh, wow, that's disgusting and ugly. And now, you know, you've got uh, a lot of really great businesses thriving and and, and then Harley Davidson moved yeah, uh, yeah. to that area with the museum and. Um, this is exactly the thing that I see with uh, Beloit's uh, area there where the paper mill was. And I think, uh, exactly. of course, the snappers by having that oh, ABC yeah. stadium, that is huge. Absolutely. And we thankfully are keeping it. Uh, the, the stadium, obviously, the stadium is going to stay, but having the team is going to stay in town where we were on the verge of losing this, um, the snappers. And so being able to keep them there, um, keep it as a, a destination, um, getting more hotels and now that we have the stadium there's more companies that want to come in um, because they're going to start seeing more people passing through Beloit coming into Beloit Um, it's it's becoming a place where people want to start their business grow their business um, bring their large companies to Beloit Um, so yeah it's really awesome I love it never in a million years would I have thought that I would be living in southern Wisconsin I'm a Wisconsinite from um, through and through, I can't say that because I'm a Vikings fan. But uh, oh no, <laughs> I should never admit that, no, right? On a okay, Wisconsin though. podcast, it's okay. Um, <laughs> it's okay because I I will admit I have donned a purple and gold uh, jersey at one point because of Brett Favre, and that oh, was yeah. because right. that was because I didn't like how dirty the Packers did Brett, and then I was a fan <laughs> for a couple of years with the Vikings. Now, sure, that wasn't a fan of the Vikings. I was a fan of Brett Favre. Brett so, Favre, so, absolutely, absolutely. And then, if you were a Viking fan, you weren't a fan of Brett Favre, but you were a fan of the like, Vikings for like twenty some years. You guys hated that guy. Yeah, yeah you know? I know, I know. That's too funny. But and so, like, like I said, like I never in a million years would have thought that I would be living in southern wisconsin but i don't think i'll ever leave where are you from i'm originally from eau claire okay and, yeah. and so like again so wisconsin minnesota yeah yeah exactly <laughs> like 90 minutes from 
the stadium. You're, you know? you're more so, likely to, to visit the Twin Cities than you were Milwaukee or Madison. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Now that I'm, you know, we're closer to Milwaukee. My husband's starting to make me a little bit of a Brewers fan. Awesome. Don't tell my dad. Good. My dad will be, his heart will be broken. Yeah, the Twins are garbage. <laughs> yeah, right. <Let's> be <laughs> and they're different divisions, so it's okay. But, but... that's true too, though. So <laughs> I actually have a controversial stance here. So I am a Packers fan through and through diehard, but I've said this on another podcast that the Packers don't make it. I do root for the Vikings. If when oh, it comes to okay. Midwestern division, when it comes to Midwestern division, I am a Vikings yeah, fan it, after the Packers. NFC North. Uh, I, I guess can't go if, Lions or Bears. If, Obviously, the Bears are no go, yeah, no matter what. If, if I had to choose, uh, of course, it would be uh, gun to my head, uh, Vikings. But because <laughs> I, I can't, I can't go Bears. If you go Bears, it's just like <laughs> you might as well just exit the state because it's no go. Yeah, but yeah, the you Vikings, can't do that. And, 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 of course, I love the Twin Cities. I am absolutely oh, yeah. a huge fan of Bob of Dylan, Prince. I mean, it's I've, legendary. I've been there a number of times. I love Detroit, but I don't love it as much as I love the Twin Cities. Oh, yeah, so. for sure. sure. Absolutely. And I'm I, I'm a big Matthew Stafford fan, so now that oh, yeah, he's, in, uh, he's uh, gone, LA, yeah. you know, it hurts. I can't – I don't cheer for them as much anymore, but now that he's out in L.A., I'll – Cheer for the Rams now, I guess. Well, no, because <laughs> next week, you know, the Rams play the Packers, and you got to be, mm-hmm. you got to be full go. Packers, yeah. mm-hmm. Packers all the way. You know, oh, I, I don't know about that. Come on now. So <laughs> I, am, I, I am, I am happy though that Stafford has a better team because he is a great quarterback. To, he was to be well honest, deserving of that, and yeah. he was on the Lions, Absolutely. so he definitely didn't get due justice. He, he never got to show. The stick, he never showed himself truly because he's a great quarterback. To be yeah. honest, but. All right, so yeah, and it's, it's just great. So Beloit, actually, we talked about in a previous episode, too. It's actually pronounced Belua, Belua. It's oh. French, and it means uh, beautiful oh, prairie, sure. be- beautiful prairies. <laughs> and I think it's really getting to that point where it's beautiful again. And uh, mm-hmm. Carrie, I'm, I'm so proud that I'm part of it, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're proud of it, too, making the city just a better place. And um, Absolutely. Yeah, we really appreciate that. And so before we let you go, we have mm-hmm. to ask, how Wisconsin are you? <laughs> Which oh boy, we we may know a few answers here, but yeah. that's okay. We're gonna give you a we're giving you a shot we're here. Giving you a shot. Holy smokes! All right, All right here we go. All right, so uh, when it comes to uh, up north Wisconsin, what do you consider to be up north Wisconsin? Um, up north, you mean? Or oh up yeah, north? up yeah. north the H. Yeah. Oh, up north okay. Dairy. Um, honestly, up past what is it latitude? 40? I don't know. You got me on there. That, Did you say uh, science? Yeah. I know. You're talking I, science with Eric? I believe in science, but I just don't know how it works. <laughs> uh, still working on that. We'll talk about it later once I have a chance to look at this global warming thing. I've just been trying to work on that for a while. Recycling's tough, too, but we're getting there. Right. Honestly, anything above Eau Claire is up north. Right. Oh, yeah. I agree, I agree. with that. Yeah. I agree with that's you 100%. A, that's a for sure, 100%. And yeah. then, so we're going to ask, this is the next one. This might where it might get controversial. Have mm. you ever tailgated at a Packers, Badgers, or a Brewers game? Um, No. Okay. At any of them? That hurts my heart. Um, Actually... We didn't technically tailgate before the Packer game, but we part okay. we were at the bars doing the whole oh, that's Packer tailgating. thing. Yeah. You're good. You're good. That's still tailgating. Yeah. We just weren't at the cars, yeah, you know, grilling fine. out. We, okay. All right. So yes. Okay. Yeah. And then <laughs> that's fine. We we'll we'll uh we'll, we'll accept, accept it. that we'll, one. Yeah, exactly. So okay, let me you. let me just ask you really quick. Have you ever eaten a squeaky cheese curd? Oh, absolutely. I figured this see that was a softball. I was like let me just give her this one. She can uh, smash the, You're going the, the underhand on this one. Huh? I wanted her to okay. smash this one out of the park. 
so so then that leads into the old fashioned. Um, do you love old fashions, mm. and do you prefer I, sweet or sour? Um, sweet oh. with Corbel. Me too. Oh, of course, Corbel. So it's going to yeah. be a brandy old fashioned. Yep. Awesome. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a true Wisconsinite thing, actually. See, I'm, I'm I'm just the the brandy old fashioned sour. Uh, oh. It and, and, and I'm a sweet person actually. It like depends. It depends on where you get it from. Uh, yep. Some places. Uh, completely phone in the sour and it's just like they give you a, a can of squirt um, <laughs> however it, it's done uh, I prefer it if it's at a, a nice dark dim dingy supper club oh absolutely the only way to go so the next question I got that kind of leads into the next there one here um, uh, for supper clubs do you have a preferred supper club you love to go and visit yeah so we found some really great supper clubs once we moved um, to Jamesville Beloit area uh, um, in Beloit, there's the Butterfly Club. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I think butterfly. it's all the same interior since it was bought. <laughs> Probably um, the same musician who's been yeah. playing music as well. <laughs> yeah. And then in, I think it's technically Fort Atkins. Um, it's Stagecoach, two oh, of yeah. our yep. favorite. Oh, yeah. And 26 yeah, there. You can't miss that one. Yeah. On mm-hmm. your way to uh, Johnson's Creek. Yeah. Yep. yep. Out of town. Yeah. All Absolutely. right. So the next one I got for you, um, and maybe you haven't done this one. This is a, have you been to Summerfest and uh, do you have a favorite band you saw there? I've been to Summerfest once and I think it's just, I've been from just being Eau Claire. closer to Eau Claire mm-hmm. yeah. um, or in Eau Claire. Um, so we went a couple years ago and I saw Kane Brown Okay, um, and that was super fun. Now, and then COVID hit, so I wasn't able to go last year and then we didn't go this year. Now there is a, a a festival in Eau Claire. Mm-hmm. Um, have you been to that? Uh, yes. What... So that one's Country Fest. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I've been to that um, since I was fourteen years old. I think I went every single year until I moved. Well, isn't there? There's another one that I think was put on by like Justin Vernon. Oh um, yeah. For... Oh. Oak, yep, Oak, that... Eau Claire. Is it just called Eau Claire? Yeah, where it's it's E A U X. They yep. throw the X. There you go. Flair. Okay. Yep. And so that's going to be like more folk, um, yeah. kind of indie music. Uh, indie yeah, folk. indie yeah. rock. Yep. yep. I've never. I haven't been to that one because that was started um, once I left. Okay. Got it. Yep. Um, but I have friends that'll go. But it's on the same grounds as Country Jam. Yeah. Yeah. Foster Farms. Mm-hmm. Justin. Justin Vernon and uh, Bon Iver are like some of the best music though from Wisconsin. It's, yeah. it's unbelievable oh, that that's in absolutely. our state. It's... And I'm sure you were probably inundated with it being up there because Justin Vernon and Bon Iver have been a thing for quite a while. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So they went to the there's two public schools in Eau Claire. So he went to Memorial in Eau Claire. Gotcha. Um, he was quite a bit older than I don't want to say quite. I think he's probably. 10 years older right than now. I am. He's basically retired is what you're trying to say. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I know for a fact that Justin Vernon listens to our podcast. Just kidding. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, he's uh, uh, he's a great a- addition, you know, to our uh, to our great Wisconsin, uh, you know, I guess, you know, the, the celebrities that we can consider from here. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yes, and and sure. so on that note, um, when it comes to beer brats, mm. um, do you have a beer that you use in them that you recommend? Yes. So the husband has been um, kind of experimenting with beer brats recently. Okay. We had some last weekend, and you have to do um, – we did a spotted, but Ooh. he is really into – it has to be an IPA that goes in there. Okay. Or mm. – um, 
this year, well, I just had to run to the gas station because we didn't have an IPA, um, but we put an Oktoberfest in. So it was a Samuel Adams Oktoberfest, this last batch that we did, and it was delicious. So it was, I think it was three spot, or no, two spotted cow, and then three um, Samuel Adams Oktoberfest. And you took it for an army out there. Oh, yeah. There's a lot <laughs> awesome. of us. It was awesome. so good. Yeah. <laughs> Now we've heard uh, Amber is about the 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 I guess most repeated answer on this sure. show. Yeah, yeah, from all the Amber. breweries we've interviewed. No. Yeah, they all prefer their Ambers in there. Uh, I'm with mm-hmm. you. I I tend to to stick a a, a bitter beer in there. Yep. Uh, something that has a good flavor to it, though. Still, uh, mostly like a Citra uh, type IPA, and mm-hmm. those tend to be uh, some of the best brats I I cook. And and I, I mean. I, I can go either way as as far as preparation goes where uh, I can put them in a bath beforehand, stick them on the grill, or I can pull them off the grill and put them in a bath. Yeah. Um, so we don't we don't like to try to cross those lines here. Uh, we're not <laughs> we're not trying to start wars or anything. So, uh, you know, whatever you do with the beer and the brats, uh, it's all good with us. Right. Absolutely. And, you, and it depends on how are you how long are you going to have until you're serving them? Yeah. You know, cause if you make them and then people aren't coming over for a little bit, you know, then you can throw them in that beer bath again with some onions and yep. Oh, and a stick of butter, a whole stick. Mm. Oh, <laughs> I haven't done a whole a stick half. of butter. That sounds delicious. Mm. I'm telling you right now, it makes it, it, it makes the whole roux almost creamier. It, and I like where you're going with the, with the sliced onions. Cause that's, uh, yeah. key, but I'm telling you, it, your 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 game has changed when you throw in that stick of butter. Stick of butter. All right, we're gonna yeah. have, we'll have to do that on our next next beer batch. Brat. The, onion, yeah. the onion and the beer and that butter. Let that go mm. before you even put in any brats. And I'm telling you, it's a game changer. Sure, but Ooh, Car- that sounds delicious. Carrie, thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Um, can you uh, let us know how we can reach out and uh, get a hold of you uh, for people interested in Iron Tech? Yeah, absolutely. So you can um, email us at irontech, so it's I-R-O-N-T-E-K, um, at, or no, excuse me, it's info at irontech.co, so it's I-N-F-O at irontech.co, C-O. Okay. And then just shoot me an email. Um, you can check us out online as well, um, and there's a contact button you can, and that'll just shoot me an email, and I'd love to meet you and get you set up with an office or yeah. um, a floating desk at Iron Tech. Awesome. Carrie, thank you so much for your time. Uh, enjoy your Sunday. And uh, we're fil- we're uh, recording on Halloween, so we hope you enjoy your Halloween as well. Yeah. Yes. Thank you guys so much. You have a good weekend as well. Me All too, right. Carrie. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. Bye. Yep. Bye-bye. All right, that concludes this episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. If you enjoyed this vulgar display of Wisconsin, please like and subscribe on whatever streaming platform you prefer. And remember to hit the bell on YouTube to be notified when we release new content. Also, if you have any suggestions or ideas for future episodes, please send us an email at widrunkenhistory at gmail.com or head over to our Facebook and Instagram pages. Thanks again for listening. And remember, as always, watch out for deer on your way home.